This is TCU women's basketball player Sonona Prince, and you're listening to KTCU 88.7 FM Fort Worth. Go Frogs! Welcome to Riff Ram Review, your TCU sports talk home right here on 88.7 KTCU. Here are your hosts, Seth Dowdle, Ian Napetian, and Zion Trammell. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 17 of Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 FM. KTCU, the choice, your choice for college radio. I'm Zion Trammell, and today I'm joined as usual by Ian Napetian and Seth Dowdle. As this is our second episode back here in 2024, we've got lots to talk about today, uh, ranging from college basketball to baseball and the NFL. But first, a quick check-in. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? So far, so good. Week's off to a good start. I'm pretty chill. I just had one class um, today and then uh, just here for the show. So uh, pretty good start to the week. I got a long weekend, a four-day weekend because yeah. of my class schedule. So those are awesome. So yeah, excited for the show. Uh, and, you know, the week ahead, good sports week this yeah. week, uh, although no football this weekend, which is, is a little upsetting given uh, this is the first weekend without football in years. Yeah. Not years, months. It's, sorry. It's, it's been a long time. Yeah. Um, and, Seth, it was your birthday yesterday. Just wanted to wish you a happy belated birthday oh, on air you. here. Thank you. Um, hope it was a good one. It was okay. <laughs> All right, let's let's get right into it, though. We're going to be talking about TCU men's basketball. Uh, they had a fantastic week last week as they took down Oklahoma State 74-69 and then a big win against number 15 Baylor 105-102 in triple overtime in what was one of the craziest games of the year, certainly. And uh, now they've entered into the top 25 on the AP pool. Uh, but let's uh, let's talk about it here. Uh, starting with this game against uh, Oklahoma State, a return for Avery Anderson. Anderson against uh, Oklahoma State. Uh, what'd you guys make of that? Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, it, it ended up being a good game for TCU. Um, definitely started a bit slow. I, I think that's been one of the biggest issues with TCU is just starting games properly, taking care of the ball. Being fluid early on, I think, has been really tough, and they kind of showed that it was still tough against Oklahoma State, but. It was a good win, good win on the road. Um, definitely hard to go play road basketball um, here in the Big 12, and so any road win is obviously going to be a good one. And for Avery Anderson to, to get 15 points on his return back to Oklahoma State, I mean, that's definitely nice. And uh, just just glad that TCU found a way to close it out um, to, to, to end the game. So Yeah, an incredibly important win coming off the week that they were coming off of at that, that time. You know, two, two consecutive losses. Um, and, yeah, getting this one, especially after that slow start. I mean, I was not able to watch this game for a lot of it, uh, but checked the score one time midway through the first quarter, and it was not looking good. Uh, me, like, you, you compare this, and we'll talk about women's basketball later, but I was, like, looking at their score at the exact same time, and the men's game was starting, and the women were, were triumphing, and then the, the men yeah. over here, it's like, dun, 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 yeah. and it was, like, really sad. But then, you know, they, they came back, went on a couple runs there at the end of the half, and then uh, were able, was able to pull away in that second half to, to pull out a close one in Stillwater. Uh, must-win This was a must-win game, as I said, because, uh, one, Oklahoma State, uh, has struggled this year, 
Uh, they got their first conference win, though, this past week. Yeah, uh, yes, so West congrats for them. But at the time, they were 0-5 in conference, and this loss put them at 0-6. So this was a must-win, uh, and TCU got it uh, and, and picked up a very important road win, as y'all said. Yeah, it was definitely a prove-it week for TCU, certainly with uh, two road games. It's very hard to win on the road in the Big 12. And a good game for Avery Anderson. It was also a double-double for Emmanuel Miller with 21 points and 11 rebounds. And, yeah, I like the way TCU closed out that game. It was really good. Uh, But I think we really want to talk about this game against Baylor. That happened on Saturday. Just an up-and-down game is is a good way to put it. Uh, Just so much excitement. A big rival game. You know, first game in the new uh, Foster Pavilion. Pavilion. Yeah. Yeah, so pretty impressive stadium there. But... Baylor didn't look too impressive there at the end. Uh, they weren't able to close it out. TCU had played pretty well in that third overtime, and they walk away with a 105-102 to 102 win. Uh, just a tremendous win for the Horned Frogs. Yeah, no, a huge win for TCU, beating then 15th ranked Baylor, now 18 after the AP polls came out today. But a um, huge win for the team. Really, really happy to see them go down to Baylor, get a really solid, complete win. I think that's the biggest thing, too. It's f- seeing this team play for a full 40 minutes, or in this case, what, 55 minutes? Yeah, or, or, uh, yeah 55 minutes. Mm-hmm. But, um, no, TCU kind of fell behind a little bit in that first half late on they were able to go into halftime down by five and then um big second half and on for jameer nelson jr who had 30 points um that's a season high for him and um just 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 glad to see this team kind of click in and 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 getting a rhythm because i think we were talking about it too was not a lot of teams in the big 12 for basketball get onto winning streaks you said it to me the other day zion and it's almost like if you can just you know, string together two wins, that's huge. Two wins in a row at that. Um, and, and that's exactly what the Frogs did. So so really happy to see them come back from Waco with a positive result, and hopefully they can build on that against uh, Texas Tech um, tomorrow night. Yeah, two consecutive wins for TCU in Waco, which is oh. huge. Uh, where this program was as little as four years ago, that would have been inconceivable, especially where Baylor was yeah. winning national championships and competing and going to Final Fours and whatnot uh, and getting number one seeds in the tournament. Would have been inconceivable for me as a as a fan and as someone who enjoys TCU basketball for, for them to tell me if you said in two years you will your team will win two games in a row in Waco against Baylor. So that is huge. Um, the first loss that Baylor has had in their new building, uh, which is another cool thing. Uh, I just want to shout out Chuck O'Bannon Jr., who had a yep. legacy game again in Waco. Uh, has been kind of a, a non-factor is how I, I, I guess what I would describe it for TCU a lot of the a lot of the season in his what like uh, is this his fifteenth year in college or yeah. is, it, is it seventh seventh, seventh yep. year in college? He's been here a long time, but he hasn't played as much as he has in in, in previous seasons. But this year, uh, this game, twenty three minutes off the bench, um, three for four from three, and uh, all of those just seem like they were in. Big time moments, yep. especially in the second half. So, so props to him for for coming up big. Uh, Scott Drew, after the game, said that if Chuck O'Bannon Jr. played every game in Waco, he would be the best player in the country. <laughs> <laughs> wow! At least he recognizes yeah. it. Yeah, he came up clutch last year. He came up huge again. It's nice to have a guy like that who's very uh, stable. He's played plenty of games in college yeah. basketball. He knows what it takes, and you know he came up huge for them. Uh, so yeah, that's a that's a worthy shout out for for Chuck O'Bannon uh, but Jameer Nelson how about that game for him 30 points uh, not to mention four steals as well 
and he only needed to make one three-pointer and he made the game-winning shot there at the end really i think he's such a a calming like presence in this tcu team he he really has control of this offense and i really like his mid-range game he's good around the basket mm -hmm. for a guard uh he's hit you know he can hit the step back jumper you know right around the rim uh he's been really good for tcu and i think this was kind of the the coming out party for for jameer nelson and if you can contribute in big ways against baylor you're going to get you know, props and yeah. you're going to be remembered in, on this campus. So uh, big shout out to him as well. Yeah, the, the biggest thing I think with this TCU team is the depth. They need to find that depth. And I think slowly they are. And, and, and these players are growing into their roles on this team. Um, with Jameer Nelson Jr. on most other teams, he'd probably start. But for TCU, he's coming off the bench in an incredibly talented squad. And for TCU to have him as an option on the bench, to come off the bench, give you 30 points against Baylor away, go 11 for 18 from the field, 7 from eight for, from the free throw line, which is something that TCU has needed you know, someone to do. I mean, it's, it's huge that they can go to their bench and utilize their players that way. And again, I, this, this team has... This team has a lot of talented players that have various roles as well. And the biggest thing is that each of these players knows what, what role they really play and that they play that role to, to the best of their ability. Yeah. Uh, final point, I think, on the game. And then I kind of want to get into uh, some shenanigans from the Baylor game because I have there was some, I guess, shenanigans yeah. that happened in the game. Also, uh, like, in proxy to the basketball game. This is, this is big, though. TCU entering the week was in 13th place in the Big 12 and I think that this fact speaks to just the competitiveness of the league and how quickly things can you know upturn for a team that's been down or vice versa 13th of the league coming into the week they are fifth uh coming out of it uh crazy that, that's crazy it, it doesn't make a lot of sense a lot of teams tied at four and three Kansas TCU and Kansas State all at four and three Kansas at four and three is shocking um and that doesn't. I don't think that speaks to the lack of talent that the Jayhawks mm -hmm. have. Uh, I would say this team is not as good, maybe as teams previous, but that just speaks to the league as a whole and how good it is with Kansas being at four and three. Uh, but TCU right there with everyone else. I just want to tell this to everyone: if you haven't been paying attention to TCU basketball, pay attention because like this week especially, two big games at home against Tech and then Texas on Saturday. If TCU can protect home court, they put themselves in a really good spot. Uh, going into the rest of the season, and um, especially with this past week, much needed. If you if you lost to one of them, it would have been understandable, especially to Baylor. But picking it up was huge, and now you set yourself well, set yourself up well going forward. Yeah, it was a very up and down game, and yeah, this this week is so huge um, for for this team. Uh, Emmanuel Miller named Big Twelve Player of the Week as well for the third time this season. Uh, one of the more underrated players in college basketball, I would say. He's definitely the the leader of this team, 21 points against Baylor, and uh, in, yeah. in uh, like 53 minutes. Yeah, 53 oh, minutes. Oh yeah, this that's yeah. yeah. He almost played the entire game, and I don't believe he. Com I, I don't think he committed a foul. No, uh, no personal fouls. Yeah, unbelievable for a guy who can who has to probably guard the big sometimes yeah. if they go small ball. Um, you know, he he can guard on the perimeter. I mean, he is just an all around player you can it's incredible um so just wanted to shout out e-man there as well yeah absolutely deserved every other tc starter had four fouls except for <laughs> yeah, Miller, yeah. Who had 
zero. Yeah. All right. I got to talk to you all about this. All right. First, we got to talk about the camera. Tell us. Oh, we got to talk about the gosh. camera. Yeah, Foster Pavilion. Yes. It is a beautiful arena, Baylor. I will give you that. Whatever. That angle does not do it justice. Whatever, <laughs> whatever donor money you were given, you know, you, the scoreboard looks very fun. Very fun scoreboard. I like the environment. It's like nice and quaint. Kind of like the Schulmeyer. You mm-hmm. know, like it's kind of quaint. Yep. Not too big for the size of what's necessary. But, man, the International Space Station crew is putting in the work with the zoom lens that they're having to use to on this dang camera. Yeah. There are, it's not that it's like high and it just looks odd. There's stuff that you like miss from the game because yeah. you're so high because of the angle. It's yeah. almost like you're doing a, t- you're almost at a top down angle yeah. if you haven't seen it. It's very steep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there was, there were a couple times where, and I can't pinpoint exact plays, but I didn't know a ball went in the basket because yeah. of how high, because of where the camera was. It didn't look like it went in or like I didn't see who got the rebound mm-hmm. or whatever. It was just odd and it, it took away from the experience. Yeah, no, with with that angle and especially with certain shots, um, I, I think especially with shots from the bottom of the screen, um, three-pointers from the bottom of the screen, it's hard to tell if it bounces off the rim, if it's going past the rim or if it's coming back towards the shooter where they shot it from. The depth of field or the vision from from that from that vantage point makes it so difficult to actually like see what's going on in the game yeah it gives me a headache too i just i can't i hated it i was like oh man this is not i i i'm not sure what they were thinking with that they probably weren't thinking yeah yeah but it it, it was it was strange other than that great arena I, i would love to go see it sometime you know um pretty impressive my only quarrel with it and obviously i'm not a baylor student so i this doesn't matter to me it is not on campus so that's right oh it is right it is across the highway yeah oh it's slightly down the road and across the highway Ooh. yeah so you probably have to take like a a bus or can you walk a bus or walk underneath i mean i i i've driven past it when they're under construction but i can't remember what the highway situation is like how there's like no pedestrian bridge over it is. Yeah. yeah over our 35 there. Interesting. Yeah. Well, That's, I mean, like obviously it doesn't matter to me. I don't go there. But. Oh yeah. Yeah, I could imagine as a Baylor student that'd be a little. That's one thing that's so nice about TCU is yeah. everything is very accessible. Yeah. Baseball is the only one where you kind of have to go out of the way, but really, it's a nice walk, though. Yeah, it's a nice walk. Yeah, it's a little tiring. Yeah, no complaints. Yeah, yeah, no complaints. It is a nice walk, actually. But it, everything is so accessible and yeah. on campus and nearby. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, could you imagine walking off campus to go watch a football game or a basketball game? <laughs> I mean, seriously, right? Well, and that or, opens a whole other discussion on, like, you know, the University of Miami, for instance, yeah. plays at the Dolphin Stadium, and their attendance is always horrible yep. because, like, they the students don't show up. Mm-hmm. Also, the fans are kind of online fans anyway, but that's another discussion. Yeah, and there's, there's been discussions about, you know, have, building a on-campus mm-hmm. stadium, but, you know, it's whatever. Same with, like, UCLA. Yeah. I mean, they got to go yeah. far. I USC, did. too. Oh, uh, the USC. Oh, San Diego uh, State, I think, they're, they built a new football stadium mm-hmm. that you have to take a— Take take like yep. either the metro or something like that to it. It also has no shade. Yeah, <laughs> there's no shade. Yeah. So, you know, some of these <laughs> stadiums are, are really impressive, but there are some major flaws yeah. with some of these. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to think I should uh, become an engineering major and uh, fix fix all these problems. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just I can just run the show like here. You this don't is... even need an engineering major. You just need a you just need a map and yeah. say don't put it there. Yeah, be <laughs> Don't don't do that. I don't think that's gonna look good. <laughs> <laughs> just just my thought um yeah anyways uh let's uh 
we'll quickly just talk about this Texas Tech Texas. What are you guys kind of expecting this week? Do you expect a split, maybe two and zero, or is is that possible? Or um, is, I mean, it's a little hard to tell because of how insane the conference is. But uh, it's definitely an important week. Obviously, a split is in their best interest. Not yeah. a split. I'm sorry. A, a winning both is in their best interest, but a split I feel like is the most. Like if you can if you can split it, you're you're fine. You feel good. Yeah. yeah. Now now, to to play like you know not I, this isn't really devil's advocate, but say that TCU splits. Would you rather have TCU beat number 15 Texas Tech or beat Texas at home? Now mm. for resume purposes, it's definitely Texas <laughs> yeah. Tech. Mm. But uh, what means more though to yeah to, to you as the fan? Now we yeah TCU only plays Texas once this year, so yeah. it is on this Saturday. Is yeah, this will be the last time they play each other in basketball as conference foes. Yeah. Interesting. Do we want to send them out with the? I just wow. It says it's a whiteout for Texas. Yeah. That's interesting because I I mean Texas you might be wearing white jerseys actually, right? Well, and and also you guys have those shirts that they handed out for football that say the frogs up, horns down, and it's purple. Oh yeah. Like I would have if I was a student, I would have I would wear that. But, yeah. You know. I don't know if they thought maybe it would be like freezing cold this weekend, and they're like, oh, whiteout might be fun. Yeah. You know? But yeah, it's interesting with uh, what happened with BYU. Did you guys see that? Like BYU students had <laughs> yeah. were dressed in or they had paint on their bodies and said horns down and they said take it down and you can't do that like, that was BYU actually that did like this like the school or the athletic what, department that Texas had nothing to do with that it was just the, the school told them to do it oh really yeah. oh okay no, well dang. that's still oh okay sorry Texas I, I pointed some blame but uh well, it yeah. is kind of I mean like it's their fault for you know you know being upset about it, it only makes people want to do it more because then they'll just get madder about it yeah so if you just like if you're not upset about it so yeah. Like, then like just roll with the punches and everything's good, man. Yeah, their coach getting mad at UCF for for doing that. Yeah, I mean, I, I I get it. What's his name? Rodney Terry, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I understand it, but my whole thing is, don't lose. Yeah. Fine. If 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 you really don't want that, then don't lose. Yeah. Like you know what's gonna happen. You know. It's I mean, been, you're Texas. It's That's been happening thing. for so long. Yeah. Like, why does that still? bother you yeah you know get yeah. ready for the cowbells the mississippi state baby you're gonna <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean they're they're the sec is a different beast yep. so uh that but anyways that, that'll be interesting to see so yeah again tc will take on uh number 15 texas tech and then texas uh this week both home games so yeah. should be uh, should be fun to watch but we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we're gonna talk about the tc women's basketball right here on riff ram review why is Connor having trouble focusing in school? Having trouble finding Connor's middle school? Would you like directions? No, why is Connor having trouble focusing in school? Finding lowest airfare to Istanbul. No, I'm, I'm tired of fighting with him over homework. Home walk restaurant, need a review? No, I need help. He's very smart, but his mind wanders. He's disorganized. I think I understand. Oh, good. Finding best potatoes for french fries. No! Russet, fingerling, Yukon gold. Why don't you understand me? Sorry, I was trying to show how Connor feels every day. Frustrating, isn't it? Redirecting to understood.org. For the one in five kids with learning and attention issues, this is what life can feel like. Explore understood.org, a free online resource about learning and attention issues designed to help your child thrive in school and in life. Understood.org, because understanding is everything. Brought to you by understood.org and the Ad Council. I want to thank my mommy for loving me so much, for taking me out to the park, for reading me books, 
for taking me to the doctor when I broke my foot in ballet rehearsal. For leaving me alone when I wanted to be alone. And now, as a grown-up, I'm thankful for being able to take care of you, my dear mom. For having the chance to take you to the park. For reading you those books we enjoy so much. For being able to take you to your therapies after you twisted your ankle. For understanding that sometimes you simply want to be alone. Roles change without us noticing. And in your new role, we help you help. Visit aarp.org caregiving to get practical health and wellness tips to provide even better care for your loved one. Remember, visit aarp.org caregiving. AARP, we help you help. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Dave, what are you doing? Just sending a gift to Dave2037. Who? Me in the future. I save a little money from every paycheck as a gift to Dave2037, so he can spend it on things like anti-gravity boots or a hologram Doberman. Something cool like that. I think Dave2037 deserves it. He worked hard. What are you getting Steve2037? I guess I was thinking Steve2037 would just fend for himself. Well, all right. But don't expect to be borrowing my anti-gravity boots. You want to have money in your future? You got to start saving now. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ideas and easy ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. Hey, let's just hope Steve2037 doesn't get his hands on a cold time machine because he is going to come back here and knock some sense into you. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. Welcome back, everybody, to Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 The Choice, your choice for college radio. My name's Ian Nepetian, and I'm here alongside Zion Trammell and Seth Daddle as we just finished up talking about TCU men's basketball. They're two big victories over Oklahoma State and number 15 Baylor. They're now in the top 25, but it's time to switch things over to the women's team and Mark Campbell. So TCU women's basketball, they're 5-15 and 15 right now, 2-7 and seven in the Big 12. Unfortunately, despite being 5-15, and 15, they're 12th out of 14 schools in the standings with University of Houston and UCF below them. But they did have a big, big victory this past week against UCF, 66-60 to 60 on Tuesday. It was a huge bounce-back game for them um, after what was just an incredibly strange week of hosting tryouts, bringing on walk-ons. Um, what did you guys make of this? I mean, this this was kind of the, the best outcome possible for TC women's basketball. Yeah, 14-0 to start the year. Then just a complete whirlwind of injuries and just chaos and drama and just in, in all the worst ways for a team that I think a lot of us were really, really rooting for. And it just was so heartbreaking to see. And, you know, you lose Sedona Prince, you lose Jaden Owens, uh, you lose Deja Turner. And then we, you know, just about 20 minutes before the game starts, we realize Madison Connor's out, you know, or maybe like an hour or so before. And it just was uh, like, wow, it just it was really shocking to see how many good players and just players in general were hurt. Uh, But the resiliency of this team and what Mark Campbell was doing, implementing a whole new offense, say, so... TCU had been running a pick-and-roll offense with Connor and Prince, pretty uh, efficient in that offense. They switched to a five-out motion 
because they have to run small ball and they need you know they can all shoot so they went with that coach campbell said they had never he's never done that in his career just on the fly had to learn it overnight and talked with the coaches and they implemented it and that first quarter they score i think 27 points one of the highest scoring quarters of the season for this tcu team is unbelievable and then you know they slowed down a little bit in the in the second quarter probably you know uh lost some they got gas yeah. Yeah. yeah um and then they they went on to win this game but it just is was such an inspiring win and it, it was really amazing to see you know what it deserves some claps let's clap it up clap it up clap it up clap it up it was good it was that was a good time that was a good time seeing them that's just I, I you cannot be you cannot not be happy for them yeah. and i mean they got on sports center yeah. mark, mark campbell came and talked on sports center yeah. after for like 10 15 minutes I know, too it was a, yeah, yeah it's it, a good segment pretty pretty yeah. big deal um especially for a women's team again last year won only one conference game and again i realized that this was only their second conference win but it was a big one, probably one of the biggest wins in TCU women's basketball history, at least in the past, I don't know, decade. I, if you just, you know, put the circumstances yeah. uh, in, into into account. Yeah, it's the same story, though. Based, like, it's, it, aside from, like, the offense, the new offensive scheme and everything, mm-hmm. same exact story. The starters play pretty much the entire game, yeah. and they just see how it goes. And that's what happened. Yeah. You, can te- you can always tell kind of, like, when they were starting to get gas, that second quarter they only scored six points. Yeah, and also probably UCF probably figuring out a, a few things defensively yep. as well against this new scheme. But in that second half, uh, especially in that fourth quarter, they ended up they were down for a little bit in that fourth that that second half, uh, and they came back and the resiliency was a was a big part of them winning this game uh, to pull it out and get that big sixty six sixty victory. Uh, to move to 15 and 4 and 2 and 6 in conference play. Yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but it exists. Yeah, no. It was um again that that the drop off from the first quarter to the second quarter was crazy, but it's 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 kind of understandable, right? I mean, you enter that game r- with emotions running high, wanting to get this win and I know we typically talk about moral victories when you lose, but this was a victory, but this is also a huge moral victory as well in the sense that this team has dealt with so much dang adversity over the last several weeks of having to forfeit games and, again, host the tryouts, bring on walk-ons and things like that. And for them to get the win is huge. Um, four, four TCU players were in double figures scoring. Um, Ali Robertson um, had 17 points. She led the Frogs. Sydney Harris had 14 points off the bench. Una Jovanovic had 11. And then Agnes Amanopu um, bagged 10 points against UCF uh, Amanopu also led TCU in rebounds with eight. It was it was kind of exactly what you wanted to see from TCU, and and not to mention the Frogs, I, I believe, went on a 7-0 run to close the game. Mm-hmm. For the last three minutes, they didn't let UCF score. Now, there were a couple questionable calls, um, but nonetheless... TCU close out that game phenomenally, um, and and I'm 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 sure the team and and the coaching staff are incredibly proud of of what performance they put out. Yeah, it's truly something that you just you don't see very often with when you have so many injuries, and then these players who haven't really played that much. I mean, 38 minutes, 35 minutes, you know, playing the entire game that. That takes a toll, and especially at the end, that's where you really have to make things count. And yeah, the defense looked really good there in that at this uh, home stretch there. Yeah. Um, and I just I love the mindset of this team. 
you know, saying that no one feels sorry for us, even though I feel like a lot of people did. (laughs) (laughs) But I like that mindset. It's like, you know, next next person up, we got to keep doing this and, you know, we got to we got to move forward. So um, just unbelievable. And yeah, like you said, Seth, to get on SportsCenter, to get that kind of coverage um, just was really cool. And it was, it was awesome. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen this much coverage from a TCU yeah. uh, women's basketball team. Yeah. First, you know, obviously they went on that big start. Yep. Uh, that's some coverage from that. Haley Cavender uh, yep. signed yep. earlier on this uh, back in, in 2023, 2023, and then this. So it's it's obviously at first it was neg- like ne- not negative coverage, not even the most bagging on TCU, although there were some. But, uh, you know, it was all kind of pity coverage is kind of how I would discover, uh, discuss it. And then this. This win, it was always it was a celebration of the program and what they were able to accomplish, you know, it despite all the adversity that yep. was handed to them, uh, and they were able to get that big win, uh, and and they moved on to the Saturday where unfortunately they did lose seventy one sixty five yeah. to Texas Tech, but man, what a fight it was again uh, from again Madison Connor yep. not playing yep. and had to go on the road and play a, a very tough Texas yes. Tech team um, who entered the game fifteen uh, and six. Um, and yeah, again they again that first quarter, hot start, yeah. eighteen to seven at the end of the first quarter. But again, the same story as the UCF game was a lackluster second yeah. quarter. Got outscored twenty five to eight in the second quarter. Unfortunately, was they weren't able to to bounce back like they were against uh, UCF. They they just got a hole and they couldn't dig themselves out of it. Yeah, that's something where you just you can't allow that kind mm-hmm. of a deficit. Twenty five to eight is is really hard to overcome, despite yeah. how good that first quarter was. Uh, but you know they were able to re- uh, respond pretty well there in the second half, and they kept it close. And uh, you know, a really good game there for Agnes Emanopu, three for three from downtown, yeah. sharpshooter, nineteen points, a good game for her. Yeah, and then Alia Robertson had a double double for TCU as well. And um, again, going back to that kind of talk about the second quarter i'm curious to see how tc responds maybe this i i'm i'm hoping this doesn't become a trend for tcu that it's a quick you know start and then and then teams are able to kind of make adjustments and find holes and and you know fill in the gaps otherwise but again the biggest story from this tcu texas texas tech game was it was a six-point game at the end of it and and the biggest takeaway is that TCU hung in there with them, right? I, I think, and and that's really all you can ask for. It's a, you know, this might be a harsh word, but it's a depleted roster after what's happened, um, you know. And ultimately, TCU is really playing five, six players into the ground. Really, I mean, really, Sydney Harris is the only person coming off the bench and and really, you know, making an impact from from the bench um, like side of things, but. Um, I do want to talk about some of these walk-ons. Now, Sarah Sylvester, she's played a very minimal role in her in-game, you know, reps. She's two, com- only, yeah, two combined minutes. She has two combined minutes, but let's just talk about the role of these walk-ons. doesn't seem like the other three, um, Piper Davis, Ella Hamlin, and Makai Moore, are registered and eligible yet. But even at that, for Sarah Sylvester to be getting this chance and to be at least, at the very least, giving TCU that final bench spot that they need to actually compete. I mean, this is huge for them. Yeah, so <clears throat> I went to the presser on Thursday, and Sarah wasn't there, but the other three were. And, uh, I mean, first of all, 
there were so many people yeah. there. I mean, wanting to hear from Mark Campbell, hear from these players. It was really cool to see. And they had the walk-ons there. And you just kind of got to learn more about them. And really the big takeaway that I, I got from this is how much they're putting on the line, like how much they're giving up just so they can help out this team in any way possible. Because they're college students. You know, they, they had a very normal schedule just as we all did. And, you know, there's nothing – it's not like a student-athlete schedule that where you have to revolve around practice. They had to, like, com- drop classes – you know, completely move things around just so they can practice and be able to travel with the team. How much they're giving up to be a part of this squad, even if they don't play, mm-hmm. is truly remarkable. And they all they're all very good, have good characters, and they're giving up a lot to be on this team. And that's all they want to do is just help this team win in any possible way. And that speaks a lot about who they are as as a person. And it's uh, it was really cool to hear from all three of them. I hope that they get into a game at some point. Yeah, I know that yeah. the eligibility stuff takes five ever, but um, if 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 and slash when they do, um, and if they can contribute, and if this team you know makes a miracle run toward the end here, uh, we might be looking at a thirty for thirty. I said it this last yeah. week, uh, but documentaries will be made. I think regardless, maybe even how this goes about just what what, what happened, what went yeah. on, um, and if we're in the middle of the movie right now hopefully you know that was the valley and then yep. like and now we're re- going back to the climax you know yep. we started you know then we got the fall and then we're coming back up yep. maybe we'll see yep. what happens it, it'll be interesting and i tell i tell people this all the time but you know sports if you don't follow sports i don't know what you're doing because this is stuff is interesting even like just not even the game stuff it's yep. almost like a reality television show at the storylines yeah i know this is huge and this is crazy yeah. and something to watch out for uh and it's been completely interesting and i hope more people start following this team even you know win or lose whether or not um you know however it goes it's an interesting story and interesting to see how you know people face adversity that's kind of what this is and tcu has succeeded i think in that so far yeah i I mean, no matter what happens this year, even for the young players on this team, because, I mean, there, there are quite a few veterans on this team that are going to leave TCU at the, at the end of the season, but there's also quite a few young young players that can take this as learning, learning experience into next season and the season after that should they stay at TCU. Now, this isn't how Mark Campbell would have ever thought that his first season would go, but... Again, I, th- I think this team can really take all these experiences, really build on them in the offseason, especially, and take it into next year and the year after that. Um, it is unfortunate how this squad does seem like it's going to be kind of torn apart again, unfortunately, because a lot of these players are transfers and they're upperclassmen, and so they're no longer going to be with the squad. But um, it's it's those it's those. It, this this builds character. I know some people like think that's funny to say, but it builds character within this team um, for these for 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 these girls to to go through this as a team to get closer as a team. Even if Sarah Sylvester, Piper Davis, Ella Hamlin, and Makai Moore are no longer on the squad next year, this is still a huge moment for them to prove their worth as well. So. Um, Really curious to see how the season ends. Um, TCU uh, does play uh, next, or sorry, this coming weekend, not next weekend, but um, they play this coming weekend on February 3rd 
um, at 6 p.m. at the Schulmeyer against the Kansas Jayhawks. That's National Girls and Women in Sports Day. Um, they're going to be signing some postgame autographs. So that would be one heck of a game to uh, get a victory in. Yeah, because Kansas has struggled a little bit yeah. this season. They're 3-6 and six in the Big 12, and uh, they have nine conference games left. I wanted to make a quick point. If they can win like three or four of those games, keep yeah. themselves you know, kind of in the hunt, and Madison Connor and Sedona Prince, because they're not; those injuries are not season-ending. Yeah. They can come back if they're back for the Big 12 tournament, and you have these players that have gotten a lot of playing time. TCU could really make some noise. Yep. I mean, those two alone are terrific, along with the supporting cast. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? We need we need the movie to play out. That's I what know. We, you yeah. know. Right? We we, we got to fast. For, I want to fast forward through the movie. I yeah. want to see how it ends, but yeah. got to play it out. Yeah, well, TCU women's basketball will be back in action, just as we said, on February 3rd at the Schulmeyer against the Kansas Jayhawks. That's on Saturday at 6 p.m. on ESPN+. Up next, though, we've got some talking to do with NCAA basketball bracketology and some conference champions. So we'll be right back here. You're listening to Riff Ram Review on 88.7 The Choice. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Uh. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Meet Designated Dave. Hey, Dave, my main man. What's going on, bro? Dave provides a valuable service to college students. Um, hi. I just got a call from Amber. She said she needs a ride home. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hold on a sec. Amber! Designated Dave is always on call, ready to lend a helping hand to kids who are too impaired to drive safely. Whoa, no Dave! Hey, Amber. Dave, I am so wasted right now. You don't say. Dave doesn't ask for a fare. Dave? Yes, Amber? He doesn't even mind if you Ralph on his upholstery. I love you! That's nice, Amber. But designated Dave can't be everywhere at once. So if you're planning on drinking, be sure to plan ahead. Make sure there's a designated driver with you, or have someone ready to give you a ride. Oh my god, I love this song! This message is brought to you by your friends at KTCU. The College of Communication here at TCU offers the ever-growing and always-in-demand major of sports broadcasting. Many ask, what exactly is taught in the sports broadcasting major? This popular field of study caters to us students that want to learn the skills to produce live and remote sporting events for both radio and television. We acquire the skills to put together sports programming at the professional level, and we then use this new expertise to produce games you can watch on ESPN Plus or listen to right here on KTCU. In addition to the hands-on experience, we also develop analytical skills to discuss and understand the social and cultural roles that sports play in countries around the globe. 
If you would like more information on a rewarding degree in sports broadcasting here at TCU, please visit ftdm.tcu.edu. Welcome back, everyone, to Rift Ram Review right here on 88.7 KTCU The Choice. I'm Seth, that's Ian, that's Zion, and we're here to talk about NCAA men's basketball. We talked about TCU in the first segment. We talked about women's in the second segment. Now we're going to go back to men's, and we're going to take a, a, a broad look at bracketology, one of my favorite subjects in college basketball because it is the most absurd profession I think that any man can have. There are two main bracketologists. There's Jerry Palm at CBS, Joel and Artie at ESPN, and their main job, Ian and Zion, Mm -hmm. is to just project what they think the bracket's going to be on Selection Sunday. That is their only job. I mean, I don't know if they do other things. They might be an engineer on the side, but uh, they... A couple times a week, we'll post, you know, what they think the bracket's going to be, and they're usually pretty accurate. I mean, obviously, they're not 100%, but they usually have a pretty good pulse on what the selection committee is looking for in terms of seeding, and that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at CBS's only, because Joe Lenardi must be asleep and hasn't updated his since January 26th, but we're going to look at CBS's, and we're going to evaluate it, look at some of the fun teams' potential matchups. Obviously, this is subject to change, but if the season were to end today, where would TCU be playing? Who would they be playing? And then who's going to be the number one seeds? And who's going to be left out? And is it a little controversial? Ian and Zion, let's do it, shall we? Yes. So first, let's look at TCU and where Jerry Palm says that they'd be playing. They've been kind of teetering on the edge of last four in, last four out, you know, these last couple of weeks as they've had these triumphant wins and these like kind of bad losses. But right now, according to Jerry Palm, TCU would be a 10 seed playing in Omaha against number seven seed Colorado State. Thoughts? I don't know much about Colorado State, to be completely honest. Yeah. Um, what are they? By the logo, they look like the Rams. They are the Rams. Oh, are they? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, interesting. I mean, that, that, that's all I can honestly say. I, I really don't know much about Colorado State. But. Yeah. Well, they are in the Mountain West, and they're currently 4-4 four and four in the Mountain West, 13-6 and six overall. So I just I wonder why... I guess they would be wouldn't I feel like we would be the seven seed and they would be the ten seed. So from what I've seen from uh, college basketball this year, my evaluation, the Mountain West has been probably out of all the conferences has been the most surprising in like yeah. a, re- a really good conference. They're projected mm-hmm. pro- maybe get four or five teams into the bracket right now. Yeah, uh, and so that's certainly a development. Uh, but again, like that's let's it, it is interesting. We'll see what happens. Obviously, because. Uh, yeah, because they have San Diego State, New Mexico, Boise State. Who else? Colorado State. Nevada and then, is oh, also projected. Oh, Nevada, in. Who beat okay. TCU, by the way. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the odds of TCU playing Colorado State at the end of the year, I think, are very slim. Yeah. But um, that is certainly a possibility. The yeah. goal, though, for TCU is to not be a 10 seed at the end of the year. It is to be a little higher. I think aiming for... Uh, five or that five or six line is mm-hmm. is a good good line to be at for a program like TCU. TCU was what six last year. Yeah, six. Yeah. And that's what we're looking for. Yeah. Because then you avoid playing that one or two seed at the uh, if you if you win yeah. and that's always a difficult 
proposition. But TCU did have played Gonzaga. Yeah, that's the thing is like it was so unfortunate how stacked that side of the our side of the bracket was because yeah, you play Gonzaga and then even after that you still have a loaded rest of the way to go. All right, let's look at some of the other ones. We talked about the Mountain West a bit and how that might be a bit surprising. Let's look at the number one seats. Right now, Lenardi has the number one seats, and I don't think this is very surprising. UConn, Purdue, North Carolina, and Houston as the number one seats. I believe that's this the top three in the AP poll, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, UConn, Purdue, uh, North Carolina, Houston. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's a fun group of one seats. My question for Purdue is, well, 16... Uh, well, 16 seed uh, uh, Eastern Kentucky beat them this year is what my question is. Yes. <laughs> Eastern Kentucky? Yeah. What's their mascot? <laughs> I don't know, but I kind of just pulled that out of my butt. Yeah, Purdue, uh, they're kind of a team where it's like you got to prove it. I, I I won't believe it until I really see it in March Madness. Uh, you know, they're, um, they're a great team, obviously, but, yeah, I kind of need to see a little bit more in, in the tournament. I think my thought on the number one seeds is that UConn is by far my favorite to win it all still right now with how they look. They mm-hmm. beat um, Xavier by 44 points yesterday. Yep. Yeah. So that's a, it's crazy. Another team I want to talk about with you all is actually the return. They're back. Not they're back. He's back. Rick Pitino mm. is back. St. John's who has been a middling Big East team for the past blah, blah, blah years, is back. But that's not what I care about. I care about Mr. Patino because Mr. Patino, once NBA coach of the Boston Celtics slash general manager slash, oh, my goodness, we got to get rid of this guy, and his, he's back. And you know who would be playing? New Mexico. That's who's projected to play. Oh, okay. You know who coaches New Mexico? His son. Oh, really? no way. Oh, that's crazy. That's sick. So if we get a St. John's New Mexico game, it'd be father son crime. Yeah, St. John's—they've got a big matchup against UConn. Uh, Did they play UConn this weekend? They probably play them at least at some point. I think the they—I pl- think they play them this weekend. So that'd be a big. Uh, imagine they try and they win that game. That'd be a pretty big win there. That would be huge indeed. The last thing I want to talk about with this bracketology is just the Big 12 teams, that the abundance of them that are in here. I believe there are at least 9 or 10. Uh, obviously, Houston a 1 seed. Uh, Iowa State is a 5 seed. Uh, they would be playing Grand Canyon, uh, who changed their logo, guys. I don't know if you all saw this. Oh, they Grand, did. The Grand Canyon did change is it no logo. longer a TC ripoff? No, I mean, it still says GCU in purple, but it does not. it's not the same, like, the block text oh, or whatever. See, yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? It's it was kind of, it was it yeah. was kind of a blatant and obvious. It was yeah. very obvious. How, how about Iowa State though? Vaulting eleven spots this week to number twelve, they could make some serious noise in the tournament with their defense, uh, with their guard play. Yeah, they could make some noise. We we saw it firsthand. Yes, <laughs> we did. The thing that I'm noticing a lot about the Big Twelve is there's except for TCU. All in Texas, sorry. All the other teams in it are above the eight line, so seven and above for the rest of the teams beside Texas and TCU. And those and Texas is a projected eleven seed, while TCU a ten seed. So everyone is right there in kind of those big, you yeah. know, opportune yep. seeding spots. Uh, oh, and Kansas State, sorry. Yeah, Kansas, Kansas State is yeah. also ten. Um, a lot of teams, a lot of representation. Obviously, that 
if you get more bites of the apple, more likely that you can bring that conference home at championship. And we'll see if t- uh, the Big 12 can do it. Uh, I look forward to tournament season. I hope that yeah. I, I, I love looking at these because I love looking at this bracket, and I just want it. I just want to soak it all in yeah. because um, it's right around the corner. It's closer than we all think. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's always a fun time because you always get those teams that you know never thought they'd ever be there, like I don't know, Norfolk State, who is projected <laughs> to be in right now, uh, or the St. Peters of the world. Those are always great stories. Yeah, yeah. But then at the end, you always get those good teams that triumph, and and it's always good to see that fun basketball. We'll see who wins it all this year. Um, early, I, I think we talked about it last week, but who do y'all like want slash think? Hmm. Well, I have some friends that go to uh, San Diego State, so it'd be cool to see them uh, try to run it back and see if they can win the whole thing this year. Um, oh, Seth, you know who's uh, returned here to the bracket, a, a team that I've, uh, I've seen on this right here? Who? Moorhead State. They're back, baby. <laughs> <laughs> They're back. They're back. They'd be playing Creighton and Francisco Farabella. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, forgot about that. Um, I, yeah, San Diego State, someone I, I just I, I personally would would root for. Um, I think it'd be cool again to see like Iowa State maybe make a run. Um, I don't know. Um, I mean, honestly, if 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 TC gets knocked out pretty early, I mean, I would totally root for basically everyone else in the Big Twelve. <laughs> to be honest, I would represent the Big Twelve the way it should be represented. Um, I hope that the future teams that come to the Big 12 do well as well. Um, you know, uh, Arizona. Yeah. yeah, let's let's talk about those. Arizona, a three-seed. Colorado, a 10-seed. Good to see Eddie Lampkin succeeding yeah. over there. Um, that's certainly something to look at. I think those might be the only two. Yeah, I think those are the only two outside of the Big 12 that will Utah. be coming in. Utah is a nine-seed. Yep, that's right. Man, th- just next year is is going to be crazy. It's going to be even year, better. Next year is going to be insane because if we talk about it with football all the time. We talked about how the Big Ten is going to have 18 oh. teams. You know, SEC is going to have 16. Big 12 is going to have 16. The ACC is going to have a, a bajillion teams. They're so the ACC is so big. They represent two coasts now. Um, what's going to like? How many? You know, usually like the status quo is like if you get like eight teams in from yeah. your conference, like that's a that's a good yeah. year for the conference. We might have. Like 12, 13 teams from a conference. Yeah, it's definitely possible with 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 how how much stuff is getting moved around next year and and um, yeah, that's not that doesn't make sense. That, I can't fathom that. I Damn. can't fathom it so much. We're just going to look at the different other conferences because I want to soak in the the good old days. Yeah, of the Power Six. Let's look at those conferences. Uh, power Six in basketball. We add the Big East. Arguably the best one. I don't think it is, but they're. There's some interesting, you know, stuff going on in terms of who can win these conferences, specifically the Big 12, which we'll talk about first. Yes, Big 12 to me, Texas Tech is currently uh, the only team with one loss in the conference, but it it sort of feels like it's Kansas and Houston right now. Uh, Interesting, though, with Kansas. They've kind of slipped up here. They've lost a couple games. I don't think it speaks to... Their lack of talent, mm-hmm. I just think it speaks to how competitive this is. But it's really anyone's for the taking. But I, I, I don't know. I'm going to keep this Iowa State hype train going. I could totally see them in this Big 12 championship. Uh, I really like what this team is doing right now. Yeah, if, if, if there's any kind of like wild card team that, you know, I guess, you know, 
so-called shouldn't be at the you know shouldn't be here right now I, I it would be iowa state i would love to see iowa, um, iowa state um make it to the conference championship again just like you said texas tech it's not that they're a bad team but there's still a lot of games left to be played so i i, I think we'll see um we'll see a more telling story of them come come the end of the season but um no big big 12 is the the big 12 has been and now has cemented itself as the number one in i feel like all of our opinions number one basketball conference um in the nation and i mean it's it's again any team can beat any team on any given day and you don't know what you're gonna get it's kind of like tossing a just just rolling a dice and and being like all right well you know it's it it kind of comes down to a flip of a coin so biggest uh difference in the top four teams the big 12 compared to the rest is that the top four teams have not lost at home so uh that is a big deal protect home court and you will succeed is kind of the story let's move on to the acc uh this has been a historically good conference obviously with duke and north carolina pulling the weight and they are the ones pulling the weight this year duke number seven north carolina number three north carolina nine and zero in conference 17 and three overall kind of surprising for me to see north carolina especially after last season where uh, they kind of stumbled to the finish line didn't even make the tournament last year north carolina and they also decided not to compete in the nit so uh Go, coming off a national championship game appearance to that, yeah. to then rebounding to this is encouraging for that yeah. program. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I mean, another thing I want to talk about with the ACC, Virginia plays the most boring brand of basketball. <laughs> they don't play offense, which is something that is uh, interesting, but they play really good defense, so therefore it kind of works for them. Uh, excited for North Carolina Duke. It's coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, those games are always exciting, guys. Yeah. I think it's this weekend, actually. Is it? I believe. Yes, I think so. Uh, that it, that will really give a, a you know a good tell of yeah. where it is this weekend. Yep, yep, on yeah. Saturday. So that should be really fun. It's, it's always fun. UNC-Duke is probably the best rivalry in college basketball. Is it a Duke or North Carolina? Um... That's a, that's that's a, a wonderful question. It is at North Carolina. All righty. Another thing about North Carolina, they have not lost at home or away. Both of, All three of their losses are on neutral court. Uh, uh, so that is a fun fact. They're on a 10-game win streak as well, the Tar Heels of North Carolina. Big East, we kind of talked about this with the UConn. It's kind of their conference to lose, I feel like, at this point. Yeah. Marquette. Uh, and Creighton are kind of the only two that are kind of giving them a fight. And even then, I don't know if it's possible. Yeah. They're just such a juggernaut at don't this point. I think so. Yeah, at, at the start of the year, wait, were we talking about Marquette in football or was that basketball? Basketball. Does, well, that was basketball, right? Yeah. No, I, at, at the start of the year during um, like during non-conference play, Marquette was 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 up in, what, 16th or 17th on, on the AP polls for, for some time. And uh, definitely good to see them doing well. But, but yeah, with the Big East, I mean – it's kind of UConn's to lose at this point. So I'd be very surprised if uh, Creighton or Marquette somehow claws their way back into with, with With this conference, it's pretty interesting because they've been able to like still have some really good teams in this conference without Villanova, who's had a down year, and Xavier, uh, who was in the tournament last season. They're also having a down year. Yeah. Uh, you, you have Creighton, Marquette. Providence has been playing better. Um, Just beat Georgetown and their old coach. Yeah, uh, on Saturday. Yeah, and then we mentioned St. John's a little bit. So, man, imagine if, if Villanova had been playing how they, you know, normally were. Were they in the tournament 
No. They were not in well, the tournament last Jay year. Jay Wright retired, and they had a bad year last year, and they had, I guess, another bad year this year. Yeah, it's, that might, might, it might be a little difficult to rebuild the program, but still a name that, uh, that most people will yep. affiliate with good basketball. Absolutely. Now, we got to move to the Big Ten because the Big Ten constantly puts a bunch of teams into the tournament, and yet they haven't won a national championship since Michigan State did it in 2000. So that's running on, what, 23 years now, 24 years? This yeah. year, though, they got two juggernauts at the top. Purdue, obviously we've talked about them, and then Wisconsin, who is having a fantastic season. They're 16-4. and four, They're 8-1 and one in conference play. Uh, Wisconsin, a little bit of a surprise for me personally. Was not on my radar coming into the year. Uh, Purdue was my favorite to win this conference, but Wisconsin is giving them a heck of a fight, guys. And we'll see how uh, it goes. But the problem with the Big Ten... Actually, the funny thing about the Big Ten is that it is almost the Big Ten West in football's revenge. Mm. Literally, except for maybe Minnesota, the entirety of the top half of the conference is the Big Ten West. And obviously, we talked about how the Big Ten West in football sucks, yep. and the Big Ten is just superior. Meanwhile, you've got Michigan, who's 7-13. and 13. Ohio State is 13-7 and seven and 3-6 and six in conference, and Penn State is 9-11. and 11. Take that, guys. Yep. Yeah, they're having, they're having some bad years over there. Yeah. This is what, this is what we all were looking for. Purdue, they might have went 2-0, and whatever, in football, but now look at them. They're 19-2 and two in basketball. Yeah, I really want to watch Wisconsin. I haven't gotten a chance yet, but um, they, they've definitely had a really good season, so I definitely want to watch them at some point. Now, we must give a eulogy because it is time to talk about the Pac-12. <laughs> Rest in peace. This yeah. is pretty much a one-man league. Always has been, for the most part, yeah. with the Zona. Uh, but they're tied at the top of the league with Oregon, who's also 6-3. and three. Yeah. Or, uh, Arizona's had some kind of wacky conference losses this year. Um, this is also kind of the, the – this is their opportunity to, to give it to the teams that are leaving. USC is 2-7, and seven and UCLA is 4-5 and five in conference. Uh, so – there's that Washington four and five, but then Oregon obviously six and three. Yeah. I guess the whole conference is leaving, so it doesn't make a difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No they, they're all it don't make a difference. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, I it's I, I guess it's hard for TCU I guess to root for Arizona because there's been some animosity mm-hmm. there in recent years. But for Arizona, Colorado, Utah, and Arizona State to do well is in the best interest yeah. of uh, I think everybody here. Yep. And they are they're doing they're they're holding their own weight uh, and encouraging for. Actually, it's not encouraging for ACC fans. California and Stanford. I don't know why I said it like that. I made, is that what people sounded like when they went? Is that what y'all is sound that what like? what we no. sound like? No, is that what you're saying? No. Uh, no. Never heard of no. What, no. what about smart people? Do they sound like that? They might. They say California. That's how you say it. Okay. I'll take that into account going forward. But they're not having good years. So there's certainly, you know, stuff to look at there. I'm interested uh, to see how the travel works for them and whatever. For oh, God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think we all are. I'm, I'm curious to see how these charter flights are going to get on. Yeah. Um, yeah, should be interesting. If they meet them in Dallas like yeah. they were talking about. Yeah, yeah. That'd be crazy. Well, that's that's kind of the conference, you know, look out, the bracketology look out right now. Um, it's definitely interesting. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but – we're kind of done with basketball, aren't we, guys? Yeah. I think I think there's some pressing matters we got to discuss when it comes to the National Football League. I don't know if y'all heard, listeners, but 
some big football games were played this past weekend, yeah. and some big results happen. And we're going to get right into that right after the break. You're listening to Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 KTC, the choice, your choice for college radio. Hey, guys, let's play some video games. This new dad plays video games with his sons. But the challenge feels like he's lifting a metric ton. So many buttons. His avatar just stares at the walls, twists and turns and somehow falls. Help me. He's tangled up in the controller's cords. I just don't understand this crazy digital world. Crazy, crazy digital world. But the love from his kids is totally apparent. Ooh. See, you don't have to be perfect to be the perfect parent. You should have just played catch. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of siblings in foster care will take you just as you are. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. I'm Paul George of the Indiana Pacers. When I was six, I had one thing on my mind. When I was six, my days were spent playing basketball every chance I could. When I was six, my dream was to make it to the NBA. When I was six, my mom had a stroke. So I want you to learn the signs of a stroke fast. F-A-S-T. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911. Because the sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in their recovery. I'm Paul George. Protect the ones you love. Spot a stroke F-A-S-T. Fast. Life is why. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Have you noticed bad behavior has become normalized at interscholastic athletic events? Some fans seem angry. They lack civility toward one another. Some even get aggressive and unruly. Time out! What is going on? This has to stop. Let's not forget, school sports aren't just about winning. And they're definitely not an excuse to take your frustrations out on the official or the opponent. They're about teaching lessons like perseverance, respect, and empathy so students can learn and grow as people, not just as players. We all have a role to play in setting a good example for our students and teaching them these important values. So fans, it's time to step up your game and behave positively at Interscholastic Athletic Events in Texas. This message presented by the UIL and the Texas High School Athletic Directors Association. your choice for college radio. My name is Ian Apicia, and I'm here alongside Zion Trammell and Seth Dowdle as we turn the page on college basketball, and we've got to recap some of the games from this last weekend, notably the AFC Championship game and the NFC Championship game. Um, initial thoughts, what did you guys think just just before we jump into uh, game by game? Football, baby. Uh, I thought that, you know, the red teams... One. 
and that was sad for some and, and happy for others. Happy for a minute pop amount of the population, yep. I would say. Okay, I'm serious now. All right, here we go. I thought that the first game played to script and the second game was the, uh, if, if no one believes in momentum slash confidence, you believe in it now after yeah. watching that game. That's what I, my thoughts are. Mm-hmm. That was a tremendous second half. Uh, literally, if you want to know what the definition of a tale of two halves, yep. that game between the Lions and the 49ers is the literal definition of that. Uh, yeah, let's. I guess we'll start with Chiefs and Ravens, though, yeah. um, since that was the first game. Yeah, no, Chiefs took care of business in Baltimore. Um, I was really curious to see how the Chiefs would get on playing an away game. Again, they played, Patrick Mahomes played his first playoff away game um last weekend against the bills they got the job done there they traveled to baltimore and they beat lamar jackson the ravens 17 to 10 perhaps not the shootout people thought it would be it would not obviously not nearly as high scoring as people expected but um interesting stuff from the ravens lamar jackson did not look as ready as i expected him to look for this game he i felt like he hesitated a lot when he when when certain lanes would open up for him to run he again he didn't really run the ball that much and i think that's where the the negatives started to come in for the ravens because they really need to rely on him running the ball and when they can't get that and you know with with the chiefs defense being as good as it is it causes problems and that's exactly what happened on sunday yeah lamar you you can run still okay the the whole that you're running back thing like i think we can all abandon that take it's it's uh, lamar jackson has to be able to use his legs in order for this team to be successful he did throw the ball 37 times that's that's a a lot um and there were some really poor decisions really the throw to isaiah likely and triple coverage Now, granted, why Isaiah likely threw his hand up like, hey, yeah. I'm open, is a little bit questionable, <laughs> you know. Uh, that, <laughs> like, Got to throw it to him now. Y- yeah, it's it's almost like... He was spamming, like, the whatever the button is in Madden when you're playing with, like, your friends, like, the... Like, Pass it to me pe- button. Please, 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 give it to me, give it to me. And your friend, like, throws it to you, and it obviously didn't work out. In what world was yeah. that the right read or that possibly could have been open yeah it was was concerning on multiple fronts (laughs) yeah very very concerning yeah and then not to mention zay flowers had that fumble at the end zone um the ravens really shot themselves in the foot for this in this game i mean i i can't even point how many times they just made some dumb mistakes it looked like a dallas cowboys playoff game if i'm being completely honest which is maybe why i understood what ravens fans were probably feeling so well in that moment (laughs) it was funny because like that was my exact same thought like it was like oh i'm this is the this is the dallas cowboys like uh, yeah like okay this is this was the perfect encapsulation of it all right you're it's first and five toward the end of the game the coaching staff tells Roquan Smith, hey, jump off sides real fast they'll make it first and ten that's good you know that's better than first and five He's like, all right, okay, cool. That sounds good. Freaking Dex, the offensive lineman. <laughs> personal, <laughs> personal foul. Personal blows foul. him up. Like, what? It's like, great idea. Execution, just horrible. Um, there are plenty of moments like that. And what was even worse was they had four or five personal fouls in this game, yeah. and all of them you can justify. Yeah. They were all like, man, you can't. It's like, yeah, you can't do you that. You cannot yeah. do that. You can't. Okay, we can't punch quarterbacks in the yeah. face. Uh 
it, that was that was one. It yeah. was like mm-hmm. I saw it. The Zay like, Flowers one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hurt his he hurt his hand after he yeah. fumbled. Like man. And 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 the biggest thing is just don't give the referees a reason to have to throw a flag, right? I mean, I, I think that's like the biggest saying that I think players hear is don't give them a reason to penalize you. And unfortunately for the Ravens, they did just that, you know. Yeah, and like you cannot give the Chiefs more opportunities. And I guess we should we should give the Chiefs their credit, where because the credit is due here, all season long, uh, we here doubted them. A lot of people doubted them. Um, and it was it was incorrect of us to doubt them. We are sorry. We have done it again. We the gospel of doubting them said to not do it, and we did it, uh, and we were incorrect. And here they are again uh, for the second consecutive year. Uh, but and again, it's it's kind of funny how all year long, and this is like the same offense except this time, you know, Marquez Valdez scantily catches balls. This, that's the difference yeah. now. Is he's come up big in the last couple of games for for Kansas City, dude was sandbagged. Yeah, dude was sandbagging so hard, made that awesome catch to end the game, uh, and then Travis Kelsey just had just another just fantastic game. Eleven catches, one hundred sixteen yards, and a touchdown. Yeah, um, and for Baltimore. They just kind of got away from what they were all yep. year long. They yep. were one of the best rushing teams in the in the, in the league, and uh, they only ran the ball with their running backs eight times. Yeah, all, all game long. Lamar Jackson had eight carries for fifty four yards. That made up pretty much over half of their total rushing yards of the game. Uh, the their running backs, Gus Edwards, Zay Flowers had two carries, and Justice Hill. Had eight carries for 27 yards uh, with a long of 15. And guess what? Like, the game script allowed them to run the ball. They were only down 17-7. They yep. could have. They had plenty of time to run the ball. It just felt like they were pressing the entire time. Um, and even whenever they had a chance to get back in the game, specifically that drive where Zay Flowers just had the 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 most roller coaster five minutes of his entire yeah. life, if he doesn't reach for the goal line, or if it's not punched out, just a great play by Snead also yeah. to, to punch that out. But if he doesn't reach out for the goal line, he goes down at like two or the one. Perfect chance to make it 17-14. And yeah. with how the defense was playing for Baltimore at that point in the game, they might they might come out and win it, but they didn't. And uh, uh, it is just unfortunate uh, given how their season went. Yeah, it was it was a very uncharacteristic game from the Ravens, who this season have, have played a really really great season. Um, again, Lamar Jackson being in that MVP um, uh, MVP uh, talk and, and, and conversation, but that's the thing. It's like you you, you play a tremendous season and you get to this point and you just don't look like you're at all the same team that got you here. And I think that's probably the toughest thing for Ravens fans to fathom at this point is. What what team did we just watch play on Sunday, right? Because the Ravens never really looked like this at all throughout the season. And, um, yeah, just uncharacteristic at the worst time, really, to be completely mm-hmm. honest. Yeah, the defense held Kansas City without a point in yeah. the second half. And, yeah, like you said, Seth, they're only down 10. They didn't need to chase points. Uh, whereas Kansas City had a much more balanced attack, 39 pass attempts for Mahomes, 32 times they ran the ball on the ground. So... Yeah, that's they had a much more balanced attack, and Baltimore uh, abandoned their identity, which is the reason that they are watching on the couch. Yeah, and I guess now moving on to the later game between the Lions and the Niners. Niners came out on top, thirty-four, thirty-one, as we mentioned just a few minutes ago. 
a tale of two halves completely. Uh, the Niners were down, um, gosh, by what? 24 to 7. Yeah, 24 to 7 at half. And then they went on, they, they, they scored 27 points. In the second, um, in the second half, and uh, held the Lions to just seven and beat them thirty-four to thirty-one. Again, tale of two halves. Unfortunately for the Lions, a great story this season comes to an end um, at the hands of a uh, Big Twelve quarterback. Um, and, and actually, we, we will have two Big Twelve quarterbacks um, in the Super Bowl. But uh, what do you guys think about this game? Definitely um, some interesting calls there from Dan Campbell. Not uncharacteristic calls per se, but. Interesting calls nonetheless. No, and I think if we're going to rag on the Ravens for going away from who they are, the Lions did not do that in this game. They stayed true to who they are. He was aggressive till the end. Um, And I'm not going to rag on the uh, decisions to go for the fourth down, uh, even though if you can disagree with them, simply because I think that what lost the Niners this game were a couple of plays. One was the Ayuk 51-yard catch that bounced off the the defensive back's face mask into Ayuk's arms. at least that's an incompletion. At the very, at the very worst, it's an incompletion. At the best, it's an interception for the Lions. But yeah. they opened the door to give them uh, the opportunity to make the play, and they did. And then they scored the touchdown. That made it twenty-four seventeen. And then on the very next play for the Lions, Jameer Gibbs fumbles. Yep. And then the Niners go down and score to tie it up at twenty-four. And I'm no momentum guy. And I saw this yesterday when everyone was talking about the Momentum Bowl and how this was the the encapsulation of momentum. I think momentum is often confused for confidence, and that's what happened here. Detroit lost all of their confidence pretty fast, and it was like you could tell how that building was rocking. I've never like known Levi's Stadium to like be rocking. Yeah, kind of feels more like a corporate crowd a lot of the time. But it was rocking. Like, it was loud. And you could tell that they were into it. You could tell that the Niners were, were jazzed. Uh, and you could tell that the, uh, that the Lions were frazzled. And, and, and that played out in the second half, especially with uh, how, you know, they continued to drop the ball. They literally dropped the ball. The fumble and then two big drops by Reynolds pretty much cost them the game. Yeah. Yeah, that that definitely seemed to be the reason. And I... I I get why you know they wanted to go for it that fourth and three there when they were down three points. That's just kind of been the identity for me personally. I just I feel like you take your points and then you you try to get the defense because then you're asking the defense to get another stop and then the Lions uh, to drive back down the field to either tie or go for the win again. Um, but I again I get it. That's been their identity all season. They've had so many questionable like go for it situations. So you know, I can respect Dan Campbell for not abandoning his identity. It, I would say, yeah, it's more of the miscues that the players made. Josh Reynolds with several drops, uh, the the fumble and um yeah, it was just the 49ers doing knowing what needed to be done and, and making that second half switch. I will say this. Michael Badgley, Lions kicker has not attempted a yeah. kick this year outside of a dome. Yeah. So, and he's only about 77% from yeah. the 40 to 49-yard range. So that was not a given, uh, especially on a rainy uh, kind of night mm. uh, in, in San Francisco. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, that probably factored into the decision. Rainy? Did you say rainy? Yes, was it not rainy? No, oh, no. Sorry. It, it, was, it was like 70 degrees. Rainy, sorry, in the uh, Chiefs game. Sorry, yeah. I was thinking of the Chiefs game. Yeah. Outside, on grass, not yeah. on turf sort of thing. That's, that's kind of what I meant there uh, for Badgley. You know, for, for me... Points are a premium in in NFL playoff games. I get going for it on fourth down the first time, 
the second time when you're down by three, I don't understand it. Yeah. That's the thing. It's kind of a fool me once, shame on me. Or fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me type thing, right? It's like, look, this was your second opportunity. I'm not going to say to make the right decision, but to get to, to have a clearer chance at points. And, yeah, I, I get that he stuck to his identity. I think that's great, but sticking to your identity probably cost you an extra season. shot at this, you know, to, to get this win. Um, and, and it's nothing against Dan Campbell because I think he's a great coach and what he's done with this Lions team is phenomenal and tremendous. You know, people should study it because he brings a lot to to NFL teams. Um, but I don't know. You have two field goal opportunities. Take one of them, especially if you miss the first one. Yeah, I was a little because and then I'm just surprised because it was they had a chance to make it 28 to 7 at the end of the first yeah. half and then they kicked the field goal there so i think for there it's like most of the benefit of going for it there in like a goal to go situation is that you have the added benefit is if you don't get it you pin them mm-hmm. in their own territory at the end of the second half that advantage goes away and i agree with you all i think kicking a field goal I've all, I usually go, especially in this age of aggression, is field goals are a loss. Like on a drive, if you kick a field goal, for the most part, that was not the end goal. The end goal was a touchdown. Um, always. End goal is always touchdown. And if you kick a field goal, especially when you get there, it's a loss. But in that situation, if you make it a three-score game instead of a two-score game going into the half, uh, that's probably the added benefit. The more indefensible decision for me was running it on third and one. Uh, with three timeouts. Oh uh, yes, at, yeah, at, yes. At, that's the most indefensible because you're going to go for it, no yeah. matter what. Yeah, and well, then the t- timeouts are more valuable. And than then exactly. yeah, and now you're forced to an onside kick, yeah. whereas it, that's an impossible, nearly impossible way to get the ball back. Yeah. I mean, honest, I and I know this might, you know, pe- people may not resonate with what I'm about to say here, but third and one, you need to go and clock it. Because you're going to go for it, I mean, either pull up a quick play, or if you have to, spike the ball and just play it on fourth. Well, it would have been fourth. It was on third and goal, and it would have made it. It then became fourth. That's what I'm down. saying, but it's better than running the ball and getting stuff like they did. Yeah. You know? And I guess like the rationale there is I'll play devil's advocate in there again for, for him uh, was that, uh, I mean, it's a high. Um, it's it's uh, You're more likely to get, like, if you just run it up the middle for a yard that's more likely than you know throwing it there obviously but the yeah. but the benefit the the disaster scenario is worse than you know mm-hmm. an incomplete pass yeah obviously yeah, yeah. Uh, so you, and you got to keep your timeouts and yeah. so that's the more indefensible decision they still probably lose the game anyway it doesn't yeah. matter um that was a close onside kick recovery i know yeah. that's closer than i, I was like oh, it was oh, oh. Yeah. You, like when you kind of get in the no man's land like that you're like oh you're oh, like, oh, oh man there's not a lot of people over there yeah. Type of thing. yeah yeah it just it to me it was a team in san francisco that's been here that knows what it takes and a Detroit team that just made too many mistakes to overcome in the second half. And Brock Purdy silencing the haters once again uh, to a degree. So, um, you know. Hurt for Lions fans. That was probably yeah. the worst mm-hmm. way for that to go. Yeah, yeah. That, was, uh, that was a tough game for the Lions. But anyways. Should they have, should they have cut to Ford Field one more time like they were doing during the game? I know. I know. Seriously. <laughs> sad. Yeah. But, no, it was a great uh, weekend for um, AFC and NFC Championship football. Chiefs um, advancing to the Super Bowl for the second time in um, two years. And the Niners are back there to play the uh, Chiefs for the first time since uh, the 2019-2020 season. So it um, should be interesting. But, folks, you know, we can't talk about the Super Bowl yet because that's in two weeks. So we're saving that for next week. But in our next segment, we will 
get the conversation rolling about NFL season awards and our predictions for some of the most prestigious NFL awards um, to end the season. So stick right here. You're listening to Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 The Choice, your choice for college radio. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. Well, I finally did it. I improved my credit score. You're kidding, right? Uh, no. How are we supposed to be the bad boys of electrosynth pop if you're out there being responsible? The band is about to be discovered. This is our year. Uh, yeah, you've been saying that for a while now. You think anyone in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was worried about their credit score? I never really thought that Of we were... course they weren't. Rock stars aren't supposed to think about that kind of stuff. We're supposed to think about how many guitars we've smashed, write aggressively sensitive power ballads, start questionable fashion trends, tragically break up and blame creative differences. All right, all right, just... I thought maybe it was time to take control of my finances, you know? Start using a budget. Get out of debt. Set some goals. A budget? Debt? Set some goals? Listen, I knew that we'd have our creative differences, but I was hoping they'd involve a little more scandal. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Babe! Babe! I'm right here. Oh, hey, could you tie my shoes? Because, you know, I can't with... Your lobster claw hands. You know, I don't think this is working out. I hope this isn't because of my... Because if it is, I think that's pretty superficial of you. What? Yes, no. You're a karmic nightmare. I mean, why do you think you suddenly grew lobster claws for hands? It's just a bug or something. You have bad karma. What were you doing right before the claws? Nothing. Shooting bottle rockets at paddle boats. Right. So maybe some good karma, like helping out in the community, working at a soup kitchen, something. Or maybe there's a lotion or something, a cream. Lobster boy cream? Yeah, something like that. Okay, fine. Hug? No. Stay on the universe's good side. Volunteer, vote, get involved, and get yourself to getgoodkarma.org. Getgoodkarma.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. I'm working two jobs, and my husband works, too. My kids go to school with your kids. I sit next to you at PTA meetings. We live right next door. We've been neighbors for years. You know my family and me pretty well, but here's one thing you don't know. I'm one out of every six Americans, and my family is struggling with hunger. Like you, we believe in this country. What's hard to believe is in the land of milk and honey, how many hardworking Americans have to choose between paying bills and feeding their families. This is a problem with a solution. Please visit feedingamerica.org today and find your local food bank for ways to help. Every dollar you donate helps provide seven meals for those around you quietly struggling with hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 The Choice. Zion Trammell here with Ian Apishan and Seth Dowdle. We are going to talk about the NFL Season Awards. It is that time of the year where we will discuss who we think will win each award. Uh, we've done this with the MLB and that was pretty straightforward. Like, I remember we... What? 
Oh, well, I thought that was that's I the thought, song. I thought that was like a that's, baby. That's like, Layla by, <laughs> by Eric Clapton, man. I'm, I'm like, I'm like thinking there's like a sound you were playing or something. Uh, <laughs> he turned he turned his head so violently towards me. <laughs> I was like, what are you playing like a baby noise or something? Yeah, I can play a baby noise. Uh, I don't have one. The, yeah, um, the, you don't have a Devin Booker sound, no. <laughs> Your right. baby noise yes i love it so we've done this with the mlb and we were pretty like agree, we pretty much agreed and we pretty much got it right but i think there's what oh no no i'm just smiling because i know we're going to disagree on some of these yeah. it was a boring segment is what we were going to say yeah uh this one should be a little more interesting yeah. though because we really don't know i think we all have different opinions here but let's start with the mvp finalists uh, we got Lamar Jackson, Brock Purdy, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, and Christian McCaffrey. All deserving. Uh, was there anyone that you guys felt like should have been on here that wasn't? Tyreek Hill. I, I think yeah. Tyreek could replace Josh Allen. I, I 100% agree. I, I, I know Josh Allen had a really good second half of the season, really like last six, seven games, but Tyreek Hill needs to be a finalist for that um obviously he's a finalist for offensive player of the year um but yeah kind of kind of strange not to see him not to see him up there yeah so who do you guys pick who would you pick for the mvp again based off regular season yeah. alone playoffs do not account uh thankfully for some <laughs> <laughs> um seth you you go first okay. i'm curious right. to hear what you okay. have to say so first of all my criteria my criteria for the awards much like the miami marlins versus philadelphia philly series is to vibes. vibes where's jake Berger? <laughs> he yeah. is my some, mvp award winner jake some Berger. people were not like happy that you said that like on my tick on the tiktok they're like what does that even mean like you got I'm like what guys like relax have guys. you seen relax. jake Berger walk around yeah. Yeah. Dude, dude literally just personifies the word vibes uh, so the vibes say, the vibes tell me that the MVP award will go to Lamar Jackson. And that also lines up with statistics and, you know, maybe, perhaps. So uh, Lamar Jackson, the vibes tell me that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think just based off performance, too, I mean, you know, you can say vibes, but I think the stats back it up. Lamar had a tremendous season. He was the engine for that Ravens team and uh, he definitely I think deserves it there were bits and there were times where you know Dak Prescott entered the conversation um, and he did win the division ultimately and you know was had a remarkable regular season it's hard not to think about the playoff game even though that doesn't account mm -hmm. for this award um, I think he finishes second and I think Lamar wins yeah I'm I, I, I know he's probably not going to win this, but I got to be honest. I, I think Christian McCaffrey is just an untouchable in the NFL. It's someone that is – you just don't get that every every year. You don't get that every five, every ten years. Um, not to say that Lamar Jackson didn't have a great season because he had a phenomenal season. We're, we're you know I'm, I'm not denying that. I just think there's something special about Christian McCaffrey and what he brings to an offense. Um that's different, and and I mean he he ran for four, for over fourteen hundred yards, caught for over five hundred yards. He had fourteen rushing touchdowns, seven receiving touchdowns. Um, it's insane that the Cowboys have an MVP and like two offensive player of the year, two defensive player of the year finalists, and 
they lost in the first round. But that's a rant for another day. Um, who do you guys got? Vibes guy over here first. Okay, vibes guy. Vibes, vibes. Please don't please don't take the vibes seriously. But you can take them seriously if you want. That'll you know get engagements and clicks or whatever. Uh, the vibes, vibes say CD Lamb, baby. Yeah. The vibes are telling me that CD Lamb is going to win this because one, CD, heck of a name. Two, Lamb, he was cooking those people up like lamb chops. Good season for CD yeah. Lamb. He's the offensive player of the year. Yeah. Um. I'm I'm actually right there with you. I picked C.D. Lamb, um, c- considering that Lamar Jackson is probably going to win MVP. That's um, I I it's I think Tyreek Hill is a great player. He had a great season, but I mean C.D. Lamb this year. It's not that I didn't expect him to do well, but he he exceeded my expectations um, completely. Um, he's first in the league with 135 receptions. Um, he was only 50 yards or so behind Tyreek Hill. Um, I believe because because CD had just over seventeen hundred yards. He had twelve touchdowns this year, um, and he was really the core, obviously, for the Cowboys at and at, at their at their receiving disposal. Um, yeah, I mean, I would go with CD Lamb. This this isn't necessarily who I think should who I think should win it, but it's who I want to win it. I think that's kind of what I'm going with here. Um, that's the, the vibes are getting to yeah. you, Ian. Yeah. yeah, that's what vibes tells yeah. you. Think. I I I I rarely uh, root for anybody on the Cowboys. Yeah, that's why I was so. shocked. I was surprised yeah. that you said it. Uh, yeah, CD Lamb was just remarkable to watch down the stretch of that of the season against the Lions. He had 13 catches, 227 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, he was just an automatic to get into the end zone at the at the late stretch of the season, just inhaling every pass from Dak Prescott. Uh, just a remarkable season. I mean, Tyreek Hill was amazing too, but CD kind of was going step for step with him as well. Um, just an unbelievable season for CD Lamb, and I would love for him to win this award. I'm going to pick Christian McCaffrey. Um, it's hard to not say him, and with the season that he had, man, he just – it's. I'm trying to think of something different than what yeah. you just said about him, Ian, but it's yeah. hard. I mean, it's, there's just so many things you could say about him. He's tremendous, and he had a remarkable season. I'm going to go with McCaffrey. And and the only reason why I didn't choose McCaffrey for off, for Offensive Player of the Year is because I wanted him to win MVP. MVP yeah. If I didn't choose him for MVP, I would have chosen him for Offensive Player of the Year. Yeah. I know that might not really make much sense to other people, but... No, it, but... We're not voters. We don't need to use logic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I could I could totally see CD or, or McCaffrey yeah. taking this. Um, yeah. Let's move on to Defensive Player of the Year. We have... De- <laughs> Sorry, Deron Bland. Sorry. Oh, yes. Deron Bland uh, is on here. Micah Parsons, Max Crosby. Yeah, Shout baby. out to the Raiders. Uh, Miles Garrett and TJ Watts. I, I'm trying to think if there's someone that I feel like should have been on here. I'm try, I'm drawing a blank, but I, I feel like th- that's pretty... Chris Jones, perhaps? Yeah. Um, I mean, I really am a huge Kyle Hamilton fan, but, you know, that's kind of a long shot. Yeah. Um, God, I'm trying to think. Roquan Smith had a good year for the Ravens, but not, you know, Nick Bosa was not on here. Um, yeah, Nick Bosa was on here. That's right. That's pretty interesting. Neither of the Bosa bros were on yeah. here. so Joey's but, just getting hurt left and right. Yeah. Deron Bland is interesting <laughs> because 
He's he, invaded the space. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Get him off this list. <laughs> he he made it because of his fir- the first half of the season. And he was fine in the second half, but he's kind of Trayvon, a little bit of Trayvon Diggs 2.0. He is Trayvon Diggs 2.0. Yeah. Um, incredible With- playmaking ability. Great hands. Uh, just would bite a little too hard on some of the routes that he, you know, and it would cost him big time. But hey. Five pick sixes. Yes, and it's hard. You can't leave that. Like, with that kind of statistic, you really can't leave him off. Um, and that's why he is my pick for Defensive Player of the Year because the vibes, the vibes, baby, tell you that Deron Bland, uh, uh, he scored more than any of those other guys, I'll tell you that for sure. He should be Offensive Player of the Year. <laughs> he should be, honestly. Um, Does, didn't he have, like, more touchdowns than Kyle Pitts had his entire first four seasons this entire season i think it's true yeah i think kyle pitts has four touchdown receptions his entire career that's insane um i'm gonna go with miles garrett personally 14 sacks four forced fumbles and 30 qb hits and he led arguably the best defense in the nfl in cleveland Uh, mike parsons had a terrific game or terrific season as well it just feels inevitable that at some point he is going to win this award I just don't know if it'll be this year. Um, it's it's definitely it, it's up in the air. You know, T.J. Watt also had a really good season. I don't know. I mm, I think I'll go with Miles Garrett, but there's a there's claims for the other players as well, um, including Watt. So yeah. it'll be interesting. I'm going Mad Max Crosby, baby. I love it. I want to see a Raider win win some sort of award here. Um, I, I I I honestly think Max Crosby. Um, you know, he, he, he gets a lot of respect from, from players and stuff like that. But the, the, the fact that he basically played the whole second half of the season with a significant knee injury, and he basically played almost every single snap of every single game. He rarely comes out um, this season. Gosh, I'm trying to look. He had four and a half sacks. Um, was it two forced fumbles, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, let me pull that up here. Yeah, he had two forced fumbles. Um he was he was a monster on on the Raiders defense and even though it may not show on the stats and stuff I think that's where Max Crosby also fills in is just the type of leader he is um, and I know that probably doesn't come into play when you're th- just thinking about defensive player of the year but uh, Max Crosby is um, he was one heck of a player this year would love to see him take home that uh, that award so holy cow I didn't realize TJ Watt had 19 sacks this season yeah that's crazy um should we rapid fire these next couple? Let's do it. Uh, we, oh, I just realized the time. Defensive Rookie of the Year. We've got Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, Joey Porter, Kobe Turner, and Dev- Devin Witherspoon. Um, I'm going to go with Devin Witherspoon. Will Anderson. From Will Anderson. Okay. Uh, comeback Player of the Year. Oh, oh, how about Offensive Rookie of the Year? Oh, yes. Sorry. Offensive Rookie of the Year. We've got Jameer Gibbs, Sam Laporta, two Lions players, Puka Nakua, Bijan Robinson, and CJ Stroud. The Lions team is my pick for Offensive Rookie of the Year. What a remarkable season for Offensive Rookies. All these guys had tremendous seasons. Uh, I would love Puka to win it, but I'm going to go Stroud. Bijan should have won it if he had a a coach that was giving the (laughs) ball. Seriously. Yep. I'm going Stroud. I want him to win. I think Puka might win it, but I want C.J. Stroud to win it. Yeah, yeah. Wait, who'd you pick? 
said. Oh, I said the Lions. Oh, yeah. The, oh, the, the Lions. I said yeah, both okay. of them. They're yeah. gonna, it's going to be the first time that dual awards They, they share it. Yeah. Uh, kind of like with Dak and Zeke. They, they could have shared it when they were rookies. They didn't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> comeback player of the year. We've got DeMar Hamlin, Joe Flacco, Baker Mayfield, Matthew Stafford, and Tua Tagovailoa. Why is Tua on here? Because of the concussions last year. Yeah, I mean, he had like I don't know. Concussions. And, and, and I say this in all honesty and seriousness and respect, but it's kind of the same thing with DeMar Hamlin. It, it, it really is. Um, only reason why he's on here is because he's still here. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm glad he's playing. I'm glad he's good. But he didn't do anything significant for the, for the Bills this year. He didn't. He honestly didn't. And I'm not trying to, like, you know, you know get on him for this but he didn't do much this year he he, he was the 12th man when they had a penalty and, and, and lost a game <laughs> i mean so yeah sorry that's my little that's my little soapbox i think it should be joe flacco yeah joe the flacco. vibes say joe flacco guys yeah joe flacco what a or comeback ba- for or him baker joe or baker baker has vibes. a good yeah baker has the thing is baker did it for the full season too yeah he did but flacco you he can't came off the couch man yeah but flacco, flacco came off the literally couch. came off the couch i think damar is going to win it <sighs> Just, oh gosh and and the thing is is personally i don't have a problem if he wins it um but you uh, know these these awards mean nothing to me personally because I'm the yeah. vibes guy. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm going to go DeMar. I, I think Flacco could as well. I think it'll be one of those two. The, the NFL has commercialized this DeMar Hamlin situation to a point where I don't like what they've done with it. Yeah. I think it's a really important thing that happened that people can learn from. And, you know, obviously none of us hope this ever happens again. But the way it's been commercialized and the all the photo ops and the drop-ins here about, oh, this, this, and this, we understand. But this is... This is also what comes with the game. And, yeah, th- thank gosh he's back here. Thank gosh he's still here uh, on this earth. But DeMar Hamlin did not do anything this season for the Bills. Yeah. Flat out. And and DeMar Hamlin shouldn't be known as just that. Like, that yeah. incident shouldn't define him. He is more than that. Yeah. And I think the NFL is just trying to make that him. I'm like, yeah. he's he's more than that. Yeah. But it would be interesting. What, what do you think, Seth? Uh, I think he's going to win. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Coach of the year, Dan Campbell, John Harbaugh, D'Amico Ryans, Kyle Shanahan, and Kevin Stefanski. Um, It's hard to not say Dan Campbell. I would say him. I think Stefanski has a good shot here with what happened with the quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah. And and D'Amico Ryans also has a a case. Shout out D'Amico Ryans, man. Yeah. I'm I'm going with Dan Campbell. I I think it'll probably, like, like if, if the voting is released, I think it would come out to be Campbell first, D'Amico second, or Stefanski third. I think in two and three can be interchangeable there, but I also think there's something to say, and I know like he's not going to, but there's something to say about the consistency and like the awesomeness that Kyle Shanahan yeah. brings. Yeah. So I agree. Um, yeah. I totally understand that. Yeah, and we're not going to do John Harbaugh. We're we're not going to do Walter Payton Man of the Year because every team has a player. And yeah. That's you can't really guess. It's kind of just we'd be the, biased. Yeah, yeah. It, but don't hey guys at the Super Bowl do not boo the person who wins. Oh my gosh, uh, that was horrible. What they so booed Dak. I don't yeah. care what you think about him. That is yeah. just pathetic. Yeah. Um. They also have assistant coach of the year. Mm-hmm. Let's go uh, vibes. Ben Johnson, Mike McDonald, Todd Monk Monken, uh, Jim Schwartz, and Bobby Slowick. Uh, ben Johnson had a tremendous year. Uh, yeah. I, I would go with him. 
Ben Johnson or Bobby Slowick. Yeah. The Ravens team will win this award. This yeah. is going to be a split award once again. A split award. Yeah. So, I mean, I can't wait to see how these uh, awards play out. Uh, you know, who can add on to their resumes? We'll, we'll find out here in a, in a short while. But we're going to take a break, and we will come back with you with our final segment talking about the MLB Hall of Fame right here on Riff Ram Review on 88.7 The Choice. College of Communication here at TCU offers the ever-growing and always-in-demand major of sports broadcasting. Many ask, what exactly is taught in the sports broadcasting major? This popular field of study caters to us students that want to learn the skills to produce live and remote sporting events for both radio and television. We acquire the skills to put together sports programming at the professional level, and we then use this new expertise to produce games you can watch on ESPN Plus or listen to right here on KTCU. In addition to the hands-on experience, we also develop analytical skills to discuss and understand the social and cultural roles that sports play in countries around the globe. If you would like more information on a rewarding degree in sports broadcasting here at TCU, please visit ftdm.tcu.edu. You're not wired to have a response to this sound. You're neutral to it. And you can hear it repeatedly without feeling anything. But when we introduce a new stimulus, save the food. We've achieved pulling a natural or inborn response from you. Save the food. Why are we doing this, you may ask? Save the food. Because this ad is trying to change the world's behavior through brainwashing. Because 40% of all food in the US never gets eaten. Save the food. And that costs a family of four $1,500 a year. Save the food. Cha-ching. It's worsening climate change through the release of methane gas. Save the food. Cha-ching. And it's wasting precious natural resources like our fresh water. Save the food. Cha-ching. So when you hear this sound, don't be neutral. Rethink your behavior. Cook it, store it, share it. Just don't waste it. For tips and recipes, visit savethefood.com. Brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. Well, I finally did it. I improved my credit score. You're kidding, right? Uh, no. How are we supposed to be the bad boys of electrosynth pop if you're out there being responsible? The band is about to be discovered. This is our year. Uh, yeah, you've been saying that for a while now. You think anyone in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was worried about their credit score? I never really thought that Of we were... course they weren't. Rock stars aren't supposed to think about that kind of stuff. We're supposed to think about how many guitars we've smashed, write aggressively sensitive power ballads, start questionable fashion trends, tragically break up and blame creative differences. All right, all right, just... I thought maybe it was time to take control of my finances, you know? Start using a budget. Get out of debt. Set some goals. A budget? Debt? Set some goals? Listen, I knew that we'd have our creative differences, but I was hoping they'd involve a little more scandal. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Welcome to our final segment of Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 The Choice. Zion Trammell, Ian Apetian, and Seth Dowdle here talking about the MLB Hall of Fame. Over this past week, they uh, made that announcement of the three players headed to the most prestigious Hall of Fame in sports. Maybe? 
maybe? It's certainly the most remote. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, certainly the most remote, yeah. Um, but uh, the three players are Adrian Beltre, Todd Helton, and Joe Maurer. Those are the players making the Hall of Fame. And uh, just quickly, guys, what, were you guys surprised at all by this, or was this pretty much expected? For me, this was expected. Um, the, the, the day of the thing, I just put out a little tweet just saying my ballot, you know, and, and I put these three guys and Billy Wagner on. Obviously, Billy Wagner didn't get selected for the uh, uh, to, to, to be enshrined in Cooperstown, but um, the rest I agree with. I mean, I, I think there, there's obviously a legitimate case for each of them, and, and, and I'm happy that, that each of them was able to get in. So, I agree. Adrian Beltre is a pretty cool guy. Todd Helton also very cool, and I'm so happy for Mr. Joe Maurer. Joe Maurer was my go-to man in MLB 12, the show, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I'm so happy that now he can be enshrined in uh, Cooperstown. Yeah. Um, so for me personally, this this was kind of a, a cool moment for me because uh, growing up I you know, idolized Adrian Beltre. I wore number 29 in baseball. I played third base. I pretty much um, kind of – modeled my game after adrian beltre um i was you know i i idolized him so to see him get into the hall of fame with 95 percent vote was pretty cool and pretty amazing to see and assuming he'll go in as a rangers um incredible and one of the all-time greats at that position uh defensively just a wizard um and his swing that powerful swing from one knee is so unique and uh certainly just absolutely deserving for a guy who um, left his mark on the game and will be remembered for a long time and also happy for the other guys as well but you know specifically for me Beltre means a lot well I'm sorry I think he's going to go in as a Dodger but (laughs) (laughs) well so what's crazy about him is he had like the inverse career you never see you don't see this very often Uh, obviously he was great you said 95 percent uh, yeah. Right. I've I've always like wondered like, and and I'm sure there's people on the ballot that believe in paying your dues and being on the ballot for a couple of years. But my whole thing is like, and and I I think you and I Seth had this conversation. Twenty nine people didn't vote for him, right? And you're just kind of like, really? You're like, who? Like like why? You know? But um, you know I. I Outside of that, very happy for him. Definitely deserves it. Um, great at the hot corner there for the Rangers. Um, and, yeah, 3,000 career hitter, 93.5 war. Um, checks checks all the boxes that you need for, uh, for a Hall of Famer. So, yeah. yeah. Big deal. Big deal indeed in Rangertown. Only the third uh, potential Ranger yeah. to be inducted to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah, that would be um, – I mean, that's pretty crazy, honestly. Yeah. Um, just a tremendous player and super happy for him um you know and it was also really cool to see all the uh, former players kind of come together to support him elvis andrews was there ian kinsler kind of all the rangers you you watched growing up so to see them back together again was pretty cool um but yeah i mean and and then for joe mauer and, and todd helton um for me i mean joe mauer had a remarkable career with the twins and kind of one of those few players that stayed with one team their whole career. Um, and so, um, that, that's obviously a no brainer, uh, for me. Yeah, no, I mean, Joe Maurer, I was just looking at his stats and between 2006 and 2013, he hit 327. 
um, with 90 home runs. Um, and for a catcher, you don't really expect that. Um, and and at the same time, he was the best player at his position for that period too. And and um, this kind of bleeds into another conversation about you know Joe Maurer coming in. That definitely means Buster Posey will most likely get in. Yadier Molina for sure, obviously. Um, but yeah, he he was the best player at that position for a good period of time. And um, no, very happy for Joe Maurer. Got got his MVP in two thousand nine. Um, when he hit 365, had a 400, uh, had a, a, a 444 on base percentage. That OPS, um, yeah, and that OPS was just absolutely ridiculous. Um, but yeah, no, very happy for him. He's he's a as good of a player. He's a, he seems like he's an even better person as well. So my favorite thing is the calls. Sorry, I know I just tried, I faded myself. <laughs> you were off in there for a second. I know I faded myself in. My favorite thing is the calls that they do. Uh, so Adrian Beltre threatened to send it to voice. I know. <laughs> uh, so him. <laughs> and then Joe Maurer, I mean, just sound like he was so Minnesotan. He's like, this is Joe. <laughs> uh, oh, that's so, that's so awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, that's British. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but he's like uh, the thank most, you. the most like kind man. Just yeah. like, I just cannot believe that this is, thank yeah. you so much. And then Todd Helton, uh, did, his, did, not, did not know how to function. He threw his hand in the air like he had just won the yeah. World Series. Like It's like, Todd, you're in your living room, yeah. man. It's like, it was funny. Yeah. Um, I know. that. That's such a weird, like, interesting call to get is, like, yeah, you're going into the Hall of Fame. How do you – how does one react to that? And for Beltra – and for these guys, they prob- they expected it, but, like, what if it's someone like you don't expect, and it's just like, yeah. wow, that call, yeah, or you know, showing up at their, you know, that you see all the surprise and yeah. oops, and all the other sports, yeah, um, you know, where they show Friend up to their house yeah. or whatever. It just that must be such an insane feeling. Yeah, and 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 kind of going into the Todd Helton talk now. I mean, that's kind of how it was for him because I was watching an interview he did um, after he got the call and. He he was comparing you know this year the experience this year to last year when you're waiting and waiting and waiting and you're hoping that call comes in and it doesn't come and you know and and it's obvious I mean you know we don't know what it feels like but obviously you can imagine it it probably feels pretty pretty bad um, you wait all day it's it can be a huge day and then you know and then you kind of get shot down like that but. Um, it was interesting to hear how his experience was different, obviously. and um, But, no, I mean, for Joe Maurer, really happy for him. And even for Todd Helton, I know there's a lot of conversation about, oh, well, he was a Rocky. He played in Colorado. You still got to hit a dang baseball at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and whether people want to get into starting. That 2004 season where he finished second in the uh, MVP vote to yeah. Barry Bonds at 48 homers at 334 mm. uh, that year, just outstanding stuff uh, 121 rbis wins the mvp award pretty much any other year except barry bonds yeah. was freaking amazing that year um but from 2011 to 2018 with the texas rangers the man was otherworldly dude like i, I mean from 2011 to 2016 specifically at 308 uh with 167 homers and 563 rbis um one of my favorite players as a Ranger fan growing up, and I'm so happy that he uh, gets to do this. You know, home and road splits and things like that. It 
to me, Todd Helton is for sure a Hall of Famer, especially with Larry Walker getting in, kind of kind of leads to Todd Helton getting the nod as well. So, yeah, um, And he is Mr. He, Larry Walker yeah. played elsewhere, yeah. but Todd, uh, Todd Helton was Mr. Rocky. Yep, exactly. And it's also cool for Joe Maurer. He's from Minnesota, as I said earlier, yeah. and played there his entire year, yeah. entire career. So that's fun. And uh, it just... I don't know. This is one of my favorite times of the year, and then induction will come up. Also inducted, Jim Leland, our boy. Yes. Uh, uh, I hope. I want to. I wish I could ask him how many. I just want to say, hey, Jim, tell us about your relationship with Barry Bonds, because that would <laughs> probably give a, a good time. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, obviously, Hall of Fame manager, Mr. Jim, uh, led uh, the. USA in 2017 to the uh, World Baseball Classic uh, Championship. That is an underrated part of his legacy. Mm -hmm. I'll say that for sure. Uh, But I love when old managers get in because it's like, especially if they haven't managed in a while, uh, it's like, oh, Jim Leland exists. Forgot about that guy. Yeah. Yeah, Jim Leland was at the heart of those really good, um, at least for when I was growing up, the the, the Tigers teams when they knocked the A's out in back-to-back uh, AL wild card, so Ooh. yeah. I, I mean, I, I love Jim Leland. He completely deserves to be in there. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely good to see him see him get in there for uh, for for all the bad he did against us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that helped him but, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Seth, you kind of men- you mentioned Barry Bonds a little bit, and this is kind of on the fly here. I'm c- curious what you guys feel about someone like Barry Bonds. Alex Rodriguez got 134 votes. Uh, you know Nelson Cruz when he retires, he was suspended at one point for steroids. Kind of, what is your guys' stance on that? Do you feel like that's a no, automatic no? Do you have some leeway? Is this strict steroid talk, or is it like Barry Bonds is the subject only? Um, I'd just say like steroid in okay. general, because um, Barry Bond, you know, there's multiple cases. I think. Yeah. So. I think one of the more interesting perspectives I've heard about this is Ken Rosenthal's, where they he was asked the other day why he wouldn't and um, he wouldn't vote for Alex Rodriguez, which I kind of find kind of funny because they worked together with Fox, so he was like very open about this. But he essentially said he always voted for. Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, I think is kind of what I got out of this, but he didn't vote for Alex Rodriguez, and he didn't because Alex Rodriguez did it in a time when there was a known penalty, and it was like, like if you get caught, you are going to be suspended, whereas, you know, it might it was, it was might have just been taboo slash, you know, mm-hmm. there was no, I mean, Barry Bonds and Clemens and all that was doing it, so I, but he... By the definition of a baseball Hall of Famer, and if you want to go with the Hall of Fame, is you cannot tell the story of baseball without this singular player. Yeah, then they have to be in. Is yeah. my kind of stance. Yeah, that's that's exactly where I am. It's it's kind of what do they mean to the history of the game as well, and you can't really overlook it. Um, in 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 my eyes, um, yeah, Barry Bonds, you know, unfortunately did PEDs. Unfortunately, the guy probably didn't have to do PEDs, right? Mm-hmm. Right, and, and I think I think that's the hardest part about yeah. it. Um, you know, I I I agree with you there, too, uh, uh, Seth. That guys like A Rod did it during a time where it was for sure like, hey, this is this is our criteria, and you are not allowed to do this. Whereas guys in the you know guys from the late nineties, um, I mean. Mark McGuire type stuff, right? That was really the start of everything. Um, and 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard. I, I, I flip and flop with Barry Bonds. You know, I mean, the numbers are obviously ridiculous. The PED use is there. But also, the character clauses are there as well. And I know we've, we've talked about this a little bit, but the character clause more and more is being taken into account and almost overshadowing the the player's achievements in their career. Yeah. And is that fair? Is that unfair? I don't know. I don't really know the answer to that. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I guess that's what makes this such a hard debate because um, Barry Bonds was also not a player a lot of people liked. In the media especially. In the, the media especially. And I said it in our other class, you know, this last week, we were talking about Hall of Famers that, you know, people that we think could be Hall of Famers but aren't. And I was like, Jeff Kent. I think with with certain guys that are getting in nowadays, a guy like Jeff Kent has those statistics. Now, character-wise, was he, was he someone that players adored and, you know, just, just loved the guy for who he was? Definitely not. Definitely not. But that's also a part of the conversation. And, and that's kind of why I asked, is this just a steroid conversation or Barry Bonds himself? Because there's different parts of me that say he should be, and there's other parts that say he shouldn't. Um, and that I think that's the hardest thing. But at the end of the at the end of the day, if I you know if someone was going to punch me in the face to to make a decision, I would say he should be in. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that's actually a very interesting perspective, though, that you offered, Seth, with how the the time period. So, like for you guys, if you were to vote, Alex Rodriguez would be a no. Yeah. No. I I would agree. Seth, would you say? He's, yeah. Also, people didn't like him. That's the thing. Like that's yeah. what also is like goes against these guys. Is like say you use PADs, but like everyone adored you. Yeah. I feel like there might be some leeway given there, but yeah. there just hasn't. Yeah. Like I feel like every single time like a steroid case comes up like this, there's always like the repu- there's a, yeah. a reputation of like, and I'm not saying that Alex Rodriguez is a bad person. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that. People didn't like from, whether from a fan perspective. Even yeah. before he took, like he was known to be taking PEDs, he wasn't like a fan favorite yeah. player. Yeah, it, it it seems like there is a feeling towards PED players, and it's not a good feeling. And it's understandable though, right? You know, that's the thing. I can't I, I can't hate on that, right? I mean, and and I think you were kind of getting it get, getting at it. There was that a rod and the the guys you know robinson cano right i mean he's one of the newest guys that's kind of really just tainted himself after that and um right you know it's like yeah i mean these guys that use peds it's it's one of those things where the newer guys get clumped in with the older guys and you're like okay is it fair or not but it depends on the time period yeah um so we mentioned billy wagner he came up five votes short um, I, I didn't know this. Next year is his final year on the ballot, so that'll be interesting to he see. He came up five votes short? Yeah. He, if, all, if, all he trends are, if all trends are considered valid, he should get he in should next be in. year. Yeah, he yeah. should get in. Um, next year, Ichiro, Suzuki, and CC Sabathia are two guys yep. that are first-time candidates. Yep. Ichiro seems like a no-brainer same with cc same with cc because of the 3000 k yeah um ichiro might be the last maybe unanimous for for, like like first ballot unanimous guy that we see in a while i'm thinking we've only seen one of those yeah um who bravera mariano okay yeah um the but you know there'll be some some guy there'll be some guy that says no 
Yeah. yeah. He'll say he didn't he didn't hit homers and like something like yeah. that. Yeah. Like, okay, if you leave Mitro <laughs> off, I just I have I have no words yeah. for you. Absolutely yeah. not. Dude yeah. raked in Japan and then came over here yeah. and raked again. Yeah. It's it's that's my thing. And then same with CC. Who are the other candidates, Zion? Real, real quick. Uh standout ones at least. Um well so MLB says other notable first timers, uh, Curtis Granderson, Felix Hernandez, Ian Kinsler. <laughs> Dustin Bajoya, Hanley Ramirez. Felix, interesting. No, there's no uh, Troy Tulowitzki and Ben Zobrist. Um, I mean. Felix has the case of when he was the greatest, he was the greatest. Yes. King <sighs> Felix was dominant, but I don't think he, I don't know. Uh, no. I don't know. No. no. Uh, I, 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 I get that. Oh, I, I totally agree, though, Seth. He was really good for, for a period, but no. I mean, he, he retired when he was 33 in 2019. Yeah. Um. Kinsler and Pedroia being on there is interesting. I think they're both similar, but Pedroia just has more accolades to, you know. Um, but, again, uh, yeah. But those are some of the first-timers. Yeah. Uh, but that will wrap things up here for Episode 17 of Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 The Choice. Thank you for tuning in live if you did. If you did not, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and you can also watch on YouTube at Riff Ram Review. Uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram and TikTok as well at Riff Ram Review. For Ian Apician and Seth Dowdle, I'm Zion Trammell. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.